0: to welcome everybody to today's presentation on bullying, specifically bullying awareness and bullying prevention. I am your host, Dr. Donnelly Snipes. We are going to define bullying as if it needed a definition, explore different types, identify the characteristics of bullying, of bullies, motivations for bullying, effects of bullying, and interventions to help stop bullying. That's a lot to cover in an hour. Basically, bullying is a pattern of aggressive behavior involving unwanted negative actions which involves an imbalance of strength or power. It can be physical, social, emotional. It's not always, you know, getting beat up or shoved into a locker. Especially with cyberbullying, there is a lot of social, cognitive, emotional bullying that happens. More than half of adolescents have been bullied online and about the same number have engaged in bullying. Now, These stats were taken long before we had the COVID lockdowns, and I think it's important to put that into perspective. There is a a phenomenon um, that occurs when people are typing online, that they become disinhibited and tend to say things and type things and do things to other people, if you want to say that, that they would never do in real life. And... It's important to recognize that that exists on an average day, but during the pandemic and everything else that's been going on with those lives being turned upside down, uh, that has increased stress. And the more stress people feel, a lot of times the more frequent aggressive behavior becomes. There's more lashing out. There's more negative, uh, negative negativity in interactions. So my guess is These numbers are way higher than they were uh, pre-pandemic, pre-lockdown. That's another one of those dissertation topics if you are trying to figure out what you're going to write yours on. Interestingly, only about one in 10 tells a parent they've been a victim. A lot of times they try to deal with it on their own or they suffer in silence. Bully side. According to the Yale School of Medicine, adolescent suicide rates have increased more than 50% in the last 30 years. 19,000 victims of bullying will attempt suicide each year. That's approximately one every 30 minutes, according to the American Psychiatric Association. So that's not just how many people are attempting suicide, that's one person who's been bullied every 30 minutes attempts suicide. Just let that sink in. Again, these were stats long before the lockdown, when people had more social support, when they were out, you know, they were going to school, they were interacting with their peers, they weren't feeling even more isolated and helpless and alone. So I would wonder, I'm hypothesizing, there has been no data that I've found. Um, I would wonder if that number has actually gone up significantly uh, since the beginning. Additionally, a lot of families that usually can serve as buffers against stress for some people who've been bullied are experiencing such stress themselves that they are having difficulty dealing with this additional emotional. When caregivers are worried about, you know, keeping the keeping the power on and keeping a roof over their head, it's hard for them to give su- su- sufficient emotional valence to A child who says I'm being bullied they're like you know what that sucks I'm sorry for you but I got bigger fish to fry right now not saying that that's right but I do know that that is happening in some cases types of bullying verbal Is just degrading or demeaning to give the aggressor power. And this can be in person, obviously, but this can also be online. It can be comments on YouTube. It can be comments on Instagram. It can be flaming or whatever they call it. Um... There are a lot of different types of verbal bullying that happen, and they happen quite frequently, and they are happening even more frequently now, which breaks my heart. I personally uh, encourage people, if they are interacting with people on social media, for example, who call others names or are verbally Verbal bullies. Maybe they don't rise to the level of what you would call abusive, but they are verbal bullies to in a private message, call that person out and tell them that you don't like that on your on your page or whatever. But if they continue to do it, then either as Facebook calls it now, take a break or um, disconnect from them if they are going to be polluting your feed with bullying behavior. We don't want to be stand We also don't want to be victims. And one way to take back your power is to not tolerate it. Physical bullying, pushing, shoving, hitting, stealing, sexual assault, anything that invades that person's physical space or makes them feel unsafe physically. And stealing, obviously you're taking somebody's possessions so they don't feel safe. They don't feel like, they don't feel in school back when we used to have lunch money and people were in in in-person school. uh, If a bully stole your lunch money, you know, you didn't feel safe that, and, and guarantee that you are actually going to be able to eat at lunch. And relational bullying include when behaviors are used as a means of achieving a goal. So I will be your friend in order to get to this person, or I will be your friend in order to be popular, um, or in reaction or retaliation to provocation. Cyberbullying is the use of the internet and related technologies, anything digital to harm other people in a deliberate and repeated manner. The challenge or one of the challenges with cyberbullying is it's relatively inescapable. You can turn on your, your mobile device. You can turn on the internet at two in the morning or at 12 in the the afternoon and it is still there. And what people say stays there. When people say it in real life, they may say something hateful and hurtful to you in the halls at school, but they say it and it kind of disappears. When they say it online, when they write it online, it sits there for everybody to see Every time they go to your page. So it is much more persistent and much more inescapable. And cyberbullying can take the forms of harassment, impersonation, you know, if they can create a, an account that and, and impersonate you and put things up there that are, you know, obviously not something that you would want out. The use of photographs, getting either compromising photographs of you or photoshopping. And a lot of times the photographs we see in cyberbullying are Photoshopped. They'll take a photograph of somebody in a compromising position and Photoshop somebody else's face on it. It takes a little bit of skill, but it really is not that hard, especially if you've got something like GIMP, which is free, or Photoshop. Creating websites and blogs that are... Uh, harassing or participating in happy slapping, Um, generally giving backhanded compliments, trying to be aggressive, trying to make fun of somebody, all in fun. So let's talk about why this happens. Uh, Bullies in general, their characteristics, lower parental supervision or parents who are more permissive. This could be because the parents are immersed in their own stuff. It could be because the parents just have a much more fluid parenting style. There's a lot of reason. But we do tend to find that there's much less connection um, in in families in which one person is a bully. Drug and alcohol use, either by the bully or within the household. Drug Drug and alcohol use can make parents... Uh, less able to be emotionally and physically ab- available. And obviously this is excessive, you know, alcohol use. And if the bully is using it, drugs and alcohol are often a sign that the bully is self-medicating some sort of distress. Um, but drugs and alcohol can also be disinhibitors. So that's another reason why bullies may be more bullish when they are under the influence. Family conflict. Is common in bullies. They see these things at home, social learning, they see people responding conflictually, and that is how they know how to respond. They may not know how to respond appropriately to conflict. So instead of being assertive, they become aggressive. Parents and coaches who show power and aggression by yelling or hitting, and yes, coaches are going to yell sometimes. They are going to raise their voice. But there's a difference between raising your voice and, you know, this will really date me here. Uh, pulling a Bobby Knight, which if you remember back, it was in the 80s when Bobby Knight got angry and threw a folding chair across the basketball court. That's not okay. That's bullyish behavior. Um, It's important to process these things with children uh, when they do happen. If if a caregiver does yell, raise their voice, um, you know. Hopefully not hit the child, but maybe slap the wall or do something that is physically aggressive. Um, it's important to deep, um, what's the word I'm looking for? process with the child, uh, what's gone on and why that wasn't probably the best response and what they could have done differently. Now, obviously, coaches probably aren't going to sit down and do all of this, but it is important as caregivers to be aware of the environment that our youth are in if they are part of a team and, you know, how does the coach actually manage and lead the team are they doing it in a pro-social way or in a bullying kind of way siblings or friends who bully the child sometimes bullies pick up behaviors because that's how they've been treated Another aspect of social learning, they can see, you know, caregivers treating each other in bullying ways or they can be bullied by their by their siblings or their friends and they may think that's how they're supposed to react or that's what they need to do to protect themselves from their siblings or friends who are bullies. Trouble standing up to peer pressure. A lot of times bullies are struggling in some way. We have to remember that behavior is communication. Aggressive behavior often means I feel threatened in some way. Whether I feel threatened because I don't think I'm going to get my needs met or I feel threatened because I think I'm going to be abandoned or I feel, you know, let's let's hypothesize what is going through that youth's head and I shouldn't say youth because adults can be bullies too. What is going through that person's head? What are those automatic beliefs that are supporting or prompting that aggressive behavior? Low frustration tolerance is another characteristic of a lot of bullies. When something happens, let's take, I have a friend who can be a bit of a bully sometimes, especially online, and when he reads something that he doesn't, agree with. His HPA axis just kind of kicks into overdrive and, you know, a little bit of narcissism maybe. Um, if if he doesn't agree, all of a sudden he flies into defensive, mo- defensive mode. Uh, he has no ability to tolerate differences of opinion. So this low frustration tolerance, we want to ask, where did it come from? And why didn't they learn uh, distress tolerance techniques when they were growing up. You know, we experience frustration from the time we are knee high to a grasshopper, whether it's learning how to toilet train or tie our shoes or ride the bus or not getting our own way you know transitioning from kindergarten to first grade is huge in terms of learning frustration tolerance for a lot of a lot of children there are a lot of opportunities so what happened in this youth development or this person's development that they didn't develop frustration tolerance likewise when we're dealing with especially with older children, adolescents, and adults who are bullies, we want to ask ourselves, what would prompt this? Sometimes people who are already in a state of turmoil, that HPA axis is already revved for some reason. They've got so much other stuff, stress going on in their life that they can't tolerate any more frustration. So anything can set them off and anything can trigger that aggressive bullying type behavior. Definitely needing to regularly ask ourselves when we're dealing with bullies, what is the function of this behavior? What is the threat that this person is protecting themselves from? And is it a real threat in the moment or is it a, what I call a psychodynamic threat, a threat from the past that's, you know, embedded in their schema that keeps coming up, those negative tapes Uh, negative memories, and they're replaying those in the present. Bullies often relate to others negatively. They may have very poor interpersonal skills. A lot of times, just go ahead here, it's because they have low self-esteem. They don't feel very good. They don't feel lovable. They don't feel acceptable. So sometimes they feel the only way to be safe and to keep people around them is to force them into submission in some ways. Bullies often lack empathy. Empathy is not something we're born with, whether you believe it or not, or whether you thought about it or not. You know, little children are very egocentric. They don't have the capacity for empathy when they're super little. And we help children develop the ability for empathy by showing it to them and by discussing with them, you know, and we don't even think about it, but... When they're little, you know, how do you think that made so-and-so feel? How would you feel if so-and-so did that to you? That's all helping them learn empathy. Children who grow up in environments that are characterized by conflict um, or neglect are often going to not have the same efficiency or the same skill in being empathetic. Bullies often have strong needs for power and dominance. Well, so they exert those behaviors. Why? Why do they need to be dominant? What would happen if they were submissive? What would happen if they were not dominant? What, why does that Threat make them feel so threatened. And they're often rewarded in some way for their behavior. They may materially, they may get things. Socially, they may have that power and dominance. They may get attention from their parents. If they're bullies and mom and dad are regularly getting called to school, you know, that may be the only way they get their parents' attention. Uh, Psychologically, somehow it may make them feel safe or superior, which would could help if they have a low self-esteem, if they make themselves feel superior to others, they may be trying to artificially bolster their their self-esteem. Now, bullies aren't going to have probably all of these characteristics. These are just some that are correlated with being a bully. and, And we want to pay attention to that. And figure out, you know, where's this coming from? Motivations for bullying, as I said, often come from power and control. Sometimes they want respect. They don't get respect at home, or they see their caregivers interacting in a way that says, in order to get respect, you have to intimidate. And that can be a learned behavior through observation or direct experience. We want to help bullies. Examine what respect means and the difference between respect and fear. And sometimes it's for revenge. If they don't get their own way, if they feel out of control, if they feel threatened, they may act out because they feel like someone, quote, made them feel bad or did something wrong to them. This could be a learned behavior um, because it's something that they've seen, or it could be a way of acting out to protect themselves, to send a message, so to speak, that you can't do this to me. And like I said on the last slide, social and material rewards. So it's important to think about where does the need for power and control come from for this person? And and it's going to be a little bit different, but we all have a certain amount of need for power and control. We don't want to be completely helpless and floundering in our life. We want to have a reasonably moderate balance of internal and external locus of control. For people who are bullies, a lot of times we find that they may feel powerless and they react with the extreme behavior of aggression and dominance for each situation. Ask yourself, ask the person, what are the long and short-term benefits of this behavior, of this bullying behavior, and how can we reduce these benefits? Or what can we do to otherwise achieve the same benefits in a pro-social manner? So if you want people to respect you, for example, how can you do it besides being a bully? How else could you garner respect? Characteristics of victims and some interventions. Victims often don't have a as much of a social support system. When uh, people have a social support system, bullies often can't get through to them. They are protected. They protect one another. So they are not nearly as vulnerable, whether it be physically or psychologically. Unfortunately, the studies have indicated, especially in youth, victims are often either overweight, underweight, or not physically attractive. So they feel they may already have a low self-esteem and they may be, unfortunately, easy to pick on because they are not the popular crowd, Uh, which they make easy targets, unfortunately. And we really want to focus on appreciating people for who they are. Not necessarily what they look like, appreciating and teaching people to appreciate themselves for who they are. Another thing I encourage you to think about is uh, one thing we talk about in in 12-step recovery, addiction recovery, is that a lot of times what we dislike in other people is a reflection of what we dislike in ourself. So if we find a bully that's picking on somebody who is not attractive or who is not the right weight per their whatever guidelines they use. We also want to consider, I wonder if this person has body image issues or um, uh, image issues that they're trying to deal with. So they're projecting it onto this person. New students can be easily be victims uh, because they don't have or, or new people anywhere um Because they don't have that social circle established. This can be especially challenging in places where there is uh, high transient. You know, people don't stay for long. I grew up in Indianapolis and there is an army base there. And a lot of the students that I went to school with weren't there for more than two years. You know could rotate. Sometimes they'd come in in sophomore year. Sometimes they'd come in, you know, in eighth grade and lead into freshman year. But there was a lot of transients. So there were a lot of people who came in that didn't have a great social circle um, from day one. And there was a lot of turnover. The nice thing is on base, the military children tended to bond together so they you know when they'd show up at school they at least had one another to rely on but you know it is really challenging for youth who move a lot being different or not considered cool is also set somebody up for being a potential victim we all remember high school middle school um, and trying A lot of us tried to be part of the in crowd, tried to be cool, tried to do the right things. And, you know, that's such an awkward phase. It's so difficult and almost impossible, I would say, to be cool, to do the right thing all the time. So there are times when people may feel very embarrassed. We've also got to remember that with children and adolescents up to 24, that means through college, uh, that prefrontal cortex is still developing. So bullies tend to be more impulsive and people who are get embarrassed, people who are bullied, tend to be more emotionally reactive uh, and may dysregulate more. So we do need to help people learn distress tolerance skills and interpersonal skills. We need to emphasize and reward student strength beginning, well, as professionals beginning in, in elementary school, as caregivers and just human beings from the time that they, you know, Open their eyes from the time they breathe air, we need to emphasize and reward their strength, uh, not just how they look. You know, we can say you're cute or you have pretty hair or whatever it is, but it's important to emphasize their goodness as human beings so they develop that strong self esteem and they don't need to get power and dominance over others, but they also are able to set boundaries so they don't become victims victims are often perceived as weak or unable to defend themselves bullies don't pick on the quarterback or the head cheerleader bullies pick on uh, the the people who are who are appear to be weaker we need to pay particular attention to people who are, less able to defend themselves, who are bully-prone, who may be quieter, um, whether it's in a work environment or a school environment or even a home environment. Uh, If you, for example, well, it can be with biological children. It can be with foster children. We do need to be cognizant of the interpersonal and power dynamics in the relationships of people around us. Bullying happens in the workplace. This is not just something that happens in high school and then all of a sudden goes away. Bullying happens in the workplace. So we do need to pay particular attention to staff members who can be, who are bully prone and to staff members who can be bullied. Victims are often depressed and anxious. Well, go figure. If you are not safe, when there's a bully lurking, it is easy to feel unsafe. They may not feel unsafe all the time, but they may feel unsafe in the presence of that person we need to help make sure that the person has age-appropriate coping skills educate them about depression and fear and anxiety help them understand that when they feel anxious for too long eventually they may just feel hopeless and helpless make sure they have access to counselors, whether that is school counselors or employee assistance programs, so they can deal with some of these feelings before they become clinical syndromes. Help people bolster their self-esteem. If, as I was saying earlier, if you feel good about yourself, then a lot of times you don't need to bring other people down or try to get power or dominance over them. Um, Those things we, we need to pay attention to, but from a victim standpoint, or from a survivor's standpoint, if they have good self-esteem, then they're able to hear what somebody says and go, you know what, that's not right. You know, that is not okay. They're able to stand up for themselves, set some of those cognitive and emotional boundaries, and advocate for themselves if they have good self-esteem. People with higher self-esteem don't need that external validation. They don't need approval from others. So if there is somebody at their work or their school who happens to be a bully, uh, they don't feel the need to have that person's approval. It's okay that that with them, that that person is so unhappy in their own head uh, that they're able to set that boundary and not go, well, why doesn't that person like me? Uh, victims are often unpopular or don't socialize well with others. They may be uh, shy. They may have social anxiety. Bullying will intensify social anxiety. You know that makes sense. Um, they also may just be introverted. They may have uh, don't. They may not have a desire to be in big groups of people. Or even speaking up in class um, can be a little bit overwhelming for people, especially if it's a big class of. 20, 30 people. It can be overwhelming for people who are more introverted and don't like to be the center of attention. They may not have social anxiety. It may just be a preference where it's overwhelming to be in front of people. We need to help teach social skills to people who may not have them teach communication skills so people can be assertive and articulate what's going on. And if they have social anxiety, obviously we need to help them develop some skills to deal with that so when they are in the presence of others, they don't feel Like they are completely vulnerable all the time. People who are bullied. And, you know, this was obviously based mainly on school age youth, but I'm going to extrapolate a little bit since bullying does happen with adults more and more. Um, Unwillingness to attend school or go to work or even sometimes log on to social media. Wherever that person feels unsafe, they are not going to want to go. Well, that makes sense. Why would you put yourself in a situation where you feel like you are going to be unsafe or traumatized? For children, we see lower grades. For adults, we may see decreased work product if the bullying is happening at work. There may be an increase in somatic complaints. For children, they may have more belly aches, more headaches, more difficulty sleeping. Same thing for adults. And this can be whether the bullying is at work, at home, you know, by a neighbor, by uh, or online, wherever the bullying happens. You know, again, the person may not feel safe, lower self-esteem if somebody starts, you notice they're not feeling as good about themselves, more anxiety and depression, increased risk for alcohol or drug use. We do want to look and see, you know, has this person's use of substances gone up? And this can also include smoking. Um and increased use for re- increased risk for eating disorders, especially if the bullying pertains to physical, physical appearance. Bullying can happen in intimate relationships as well. And we're going to talk about that more on Thursday when we talk about intimate partner violence. But It's not uncommon, I wish it were, but it's not uncommon when couples start to argue that one couple may become, or one part of the couple may become more aggressive and the other more submissive, especially if they're going down that path towards divorce, uh, you may see more bullying. And in domestic violence, obviously there's, there's bullying. Bullying myths. Only boys bully. Well, I think we know that's not true, just like we know that uh, it's not true that only men commit intimate partner violence. It can go for you know all people. Kids will outgrow bullying, not unless they have a reason to. If they have been bullies and it has been rewarded, they've gotten promoted, they've gotten away with things, they have um, achieved some sort of status, uh, they're going to keep doing that behavior. When we are rewarded for something, we keep doing it. People who bully have low self-esteem. Sometimes, not always. Sometimes people who bully have super high self-esteem to the point of narcissism. And we know that narcissists can be very bullying in their condescension and their treatment of others because they feel like everyone else is below them and should be catering to their every want and need. There are differing uh, levels. And, you know, before anybody jumps in there, there there is research out there to show that some narcissists do have a very high self-esteem. Not all narcissism is based in low self-esteem. Bullying will resolve itself if you ignore it. No. Bullying, again, is going, if it is rewarded, is going to continue. If the person gets what they want and it They think it benefits them, even if they're just looking in a very narrow scope, then they may continue to do it. We need to help people look at the broader picture. How is it impacting all of the things that are important in your life? How is it impacting your relationship with your significant others, your work product, your whatever is important? Bullying is done when nobody else is around. Oh, uh uh-uh. Yeah. Think about if you've ever been bullied, you know, when it has happened. Sometimes it happens when nobody else is around. That's true. But it happens just as often when everybody else is around. Online, cyberbullying, that's kind of like in the public forum. At work, bullying often occurs, you know, in staff meetings and other things. So we don't want to assume that the only time it happens is when nobody else is around. And we don't want to dismiss it when it happens in front of people. And that is a real challenge with bullying. Because a lot of times people are, are, they have that standby effect and they see something bad happen and they think, well, somebody else will take care of it. Or this isn't my job. This isn't my business. Teachers intervene to stop bullying. Unfortunately, I found that that was a myth and that was unfortunate. However, You know, thinking back to the brief time that my children were in public school, I remember going to pick them up and the teachers just standing in the hallway, supposedly monitoring what's going on with this sort of shell-shocked look on their face all the time. You know, I can't remember ever seeing a teacher that actually looked engaged. Uh, And the school um, district that we were in did have its share of problems, but... The teachers often intervened only in the most severe bullying instances, and you know, there were a lot of issues surrounding that. Reporting bullying will make it worse. This is a common belief, and it can make it worse if it's not uh, handled appropriately, which is why we need to make sure not only to address the bully but also to address the survivor and help them develop skills to cope with what's going on and to protect themselves from bullying. We need to educate kids about and people about the consequences of bullying. Sometimes people may not even realize they're being bullies. They may think that they are just being uh, snarky or poking the bear or challenging they may not realize that they are being uh, disrespectful and hurtful. So it is important to whether they're whether we're talking about children or subordinates or even colleagues, if we see bullying behavior, it's important to talk to the person about it. Encourage survivors to not respond and feed into the bullying. Bullies like power and control and when the survivors uh, react to the bully that gives the bully the power and it's important to not feed in I remember when my son was little and I'm not saying this was bullying this was just you know (laughs) my husband being my husband Um, but Sean and, and my husband were both really into Star Trek and, oh gosh, Sean was like five at that point and, or I'm sorry, Star Wars. And, uh, Chuck would put on the Darth Vader mask and come down the hallway at night, stomping his feet, breathing like Darth Vader. And Sean would just start screeching, daddy, daddy, don't do that. And, you know, Chuck thought it was hilarious. I'm like, let's not be doing that. Um. He thought he was being funny. Sean really hated it, uh, and so I had a talk with. I had to have a talk with both of them, but had a talk with Sean, and I'm like, Sean, if you don't let your father get under your skin, it's not going to be amusing to him anymore, and he won't do it. and And sure enough, the two of them kind of went to their separate separate corners. And you know, we've all had a parent or a caregiver, uncle somebody that, that liked to kind of tease you. And it it was, it's all meant in good fun, but it's important to help children. And I think that was a good lesson for Sean from the very beginning, uh, To learn that if you don't feed into it, it won't continue. Keep computers in a public area of the house. Now that is so hard now that we're past just computers and we have mobile devices and things that, you know, if kids want to get on the internet, they can generally figure out a way to do it unless you've got a really good firewall set up. And even then, when they go to their friends' houses, when they go to the library, they can still get on websites and places you don't want them to be. So it's important to educate them about internet safety, but it's also important to provide them tools to understand in a way or conceptualize, maybe not, uh, maybe understand's not the right word, to conceptualize why bullies may be acting in the way they are and tools to cope with it when it happens because it's going to happen. Encourage friendships, preferably in real life friendships or IRL, uh, but also online friendships, people, you know, my best friend and I hardly ever see each other because she's really busy and I'm really busy, but we text a lot. And when my mother passed away, she was there for me on text, but she was there for me whenever I needed her. It was, you know, very supportive relationship. So we do want to encourage um, friendships with you know, people. Teach effective communication skills, the ability to be assertive and set boundaries and say, that's not okay. I will not tolerate that. Identify, and Linehan has a great unit on saying yes and saying no. That is really helpful. I find really helpful in working with adolescent clients as well as adult clients. And she talks about different levels of commitment to something. So sometimes somebody will ask you to do something and, you you know, you really don't want to, but you know, if they really need you to, you will. So that's sort of a soft no. You can be convinced to do it. But then there are other things that if they ask you to do, it's an absolute no and it's a hard no. Um, But she goes through, I believe, five different levels. So that is something interesting to look at if you're, especially if you're working with adolescents. Identify ways to cope with bullying. How do you deal with it when somebody's being a bully? Number one, don't feed into it. How can you keep yourself safe? Recognizing how current bullying, bullying in the present may trigger trauma from the past and how can you deal with those issues? Sometimes bullying brings up prior um, events in your life where you felt powerless and it compounds your reaction to the current situation. So, part of coping with bullying is learning how to stay safe in the present, but also dealing with traumas and helplessness from the past. Facilitate school or work success and commitment. It's important for people to feel like they belong and that they're empowered to succeed. People who go to work every day, they show up, they clock in, they do their job, they clock out, and they I feel like, you know, nobody would really notice if I didn't show up, um, or I could just, I could be replaced at the drop of a hat. Oh, drives me crazy when bosses say that to people, you know, fine, you don't want to do it. I can replace you tomorrow. Well, that doesn't inspire commitment to a job. We want people to feel like they're needed, like they're appreciated for what they do. And we want to establish, um, Their abilities to succeed in school. We want to help people recognize that, you know, you're not going to be good at every subject. You're going to be good at some things and really highlight those things that they're good at and help them, you know, help them along with the things that they're struggling with so they succeed. But uh, help them recognize they don't have to be good at everything, making sure they have a path to be good at something. That's true for work. That's true for school. That's true at home. Improve school and work organization and participant, you know, employee or student monitoring and enforcement of anti-bullying rules. It's important to be on the lookout and have an outlet at school. Maybe it's the school counselor. At work, it's probably the HR person, Uh, but who do you go to if you feel like you're being unduly bullied? Support open expression of objective opinions at home, at work, at school. It's important to be able to, with tolerance, hear other people's opinions and the reasons they have those opinions. You know, what's, what facts do you have supporting your, your beliefs, you know? Help me understand where you're coming from and be able to appreciate that without being condescending. You may not agree, but you can hear their opinion without having to call them names to be bullies. And unfortunately, that is not something I see modeled by the vast majority of adults on social media. especially Twitter, but on social media, I see a whole lot of intolerance and um, unwillingness to allow people to express their opinions. And that's from, you know, all over. That's not just one side or the other. That's all sides. I've seen over the past few years, a significant increase in intolerance. And, you know, we model that as adults and that's what our youth see and they learn that, develop that, and hone that. And that's not what we want them to be developing. We need to teach problem-solving skills. So when people feel frustrated, when people feel distress, instead of becoming distress intolerant and lashing out, becoming aggressive, they can tolerate this distress, get into their wise mind and figure out how to solve the problem and provide opportunities for cooperative group work in the classroom or the workplace. That goes back to encouraging interaction, inter- encouraging a sense of belonging and commitment. But when we work with people, whether it's in a in classroom or, or at work, we start seeing them more as humans, not just, you know, John who works over in department XYZ. We start seeing John as, you know, a father of three kids and two dogs who likes to go, you know, dirt bike riding on the weekend or something. I don't know. But they become more human. And a lot of times it's easier to have compassion for someone who we find similarities, feel connected to in some way. Bullying, unfortunately, is Far more prevalent today than it ever has been before, and and even pre-COVID bullying is increasing. Um, partly because we, in my opinion, we have become a society that is steeped in perpetual fear. We perceive threats, see things as um, very narrowly, and and uh, which intensifies that HPA axis, that fight or flight response, which tends to make people more irritable. And when they feel more threatened, they tend to respond more with either aggression or fleeing, submission. Um, Cyberbullying feels inescapable for a lot of people. Bullying is highly related to suicide attempts, and it has increased drastically over the past 30 years. And think back, 30 years, that's about when the internet started. Um, I remember (laughs) dating myself a little bit. I remember being in college back, uh, that was before Windows existed. Yes, it happened, uh, when we used to have to work in a DOS interface. But, you know, once the internet started, there also seemed to be an increase in, there seems to be a progressive increase in bullying. Depression involves feeling hopeless and helpless. When people are bullied, they tend to feel hopeless and helpless. When people feel hopeless and helpless, they may react with aggression in order to try to regain some sort of power and control. So we may see depression in bullies as well as survivors. We want to build on people's strengths and help them enhance their self-esteem and their communication skills. We want to teach them skills to cope with adversity, distress tolerance, as well as problem-solving skills, and provide tools and opportunities for social skills development, as well as just connecting and developing friendships. If you go into some of the research and look at the risk and protective factors for mental illness, as well as addiction, you will find that connection, social support, consistency, and having a sense of meaning are huge protective factors for a myriad of issues, not just Are there any questions? Apparently I had another slide. (laughs) We want to educate about the difference between respect and intimidation. We want to enforce a no-bullying policy at school, work, and home. You can develop family contracts for no-bullying if it seems to be an issue at your house. Teach children how to report cyberbullying both to their parents as well as to places like Twitter or Facebook or wherever. Eliminate the rewards bullies get for bullying. Broaden the consequences to not only primary bullies, but also to the bully's henchmen or people that are hanging out and benefiting uh, surreptitiously from being associated with the bully. And increase rewards for pro-social behavior. There we go. Now we're at the final slide. Resources. There are a lot of resources in the PowerPoint presentation that you can go and look at. In your classroom, there are also a couple of resources in the additional resources section for developing um, in-school bullying prevention programs. There are some model programs that I found that can give you an idea. Um, As far as how effective have these anti-bullying policies been, Uh, There's not a lot of really good data on there because there's not a lot of really good follow through on um, implementing any particular particular method to fidelity and then looking at it afterwards. So unfortunately, there's a surprising lack of actual good research on anti-bullying Policies, programs, and their effectiveness. Um, another reason why I speculate this may be is because bullying is so um, pervasive. You can have a great bullying prevention program at the school, but that doesn't mean that people won't be cyberbullying outside of school hours. You can have, you know, various different permutations. And there is a line between, uh, not feeding into the bully and being assertive. When I'm talk about feeding into the bully, I'm talking about, uh, especially when victims get visibly upset about what's going on. If the victim survivor, uh, feels they need to respond, Then stating whatever they need to state and then moving on, not continuing to engage with the bully. If you say something and then the bully says something back and then you feel you respond, it's going to ask, it's important that bullies understand their limits, but examining in each situation, is what I'm doing actually Am I still actually letting the bully feel like they got the upper hand? If this podcast helps you help your clients or yourself, please support us by purchasing your CEUs at allceus.com or getting your agency to sponsor an episode. A direct link to the on-demand CEUs for this podcast is at allceus.com slash